God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I've entitled this morning's message, When Jesus Bypassed Nazareth. Now remember, Nazareth is the town he grew up in and lived 30 years when Jesus bypassed Nazareth. Now Nazareth was in Galilee, a region that had uh, a number of cities. And we read in verse 43 of John chapter 4, Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. Now that's the region that Nazareth was in. Capernaum was there. Cana was there. Magdala Magdala was there. There were some major towns there. And the Lord grew up in Galilee in the town of Nazareth. But he left Samaria after two days of preaching and departed thence and went into Galilee. And then he makes this unusual statement, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. And he's speaking of Nazareth and something that had taken place in Nazareth. This is still early in his ministry in the first year of his public ministry. And he's talking about something that took place in Nazareth before that. As a matter of fact, this is what he said by the townspeople of Nazareth's response to his preaching. He said, what he said here, no prophet has any honor in his own country. And that's brought back up to us again by John. Then when he, when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans of Cana, And Capernaum received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went to the feast. So Jesus came again unto Cana of Galilee, where he made water wine. Now, evidently, he bypassed Nazareth. Why? We don't read where he ever went to Nazareth again, the place that he had lived for 30 years. Why did he bypass Nazareth, his hometown, at this time and go to other cities? Well, the answer to that is found in Luke chapter 4. And this is our Lord's first public sermon in Nazareth. Now, in Luke chapter 4, the first part of the chapter deals with the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he fasted 40 days, went into the wilderness, and there the devil tempted him. If you're the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. If you're the Son of God, prove it. Jump off the temple. The scripture says, shall not he give his uh, angels charge over thee, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone? Prove it. 
If you're the son of God, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. Now, this was Satan seeking to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ to sin. Now, there's a reason why he didn't give in to the temptation to sin. He could not sin. He's God the Son. Can God sin? No. God cannot lie. He cannot act contrary to any of his attributes. God the Son could not sin. He said with regard to Satan, Satan hath come and hath found nothing in me, nothing he could work with. The Lord perfectly kept God's law. And he never sinned. And then we read in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. All the different cities of Galilee were hearing of the fame of the Lord Jesus Christ. His ability to heal his miracles. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth. Now think about this. He's a native of Nazareth. Uh, This is a native son. And the people of Nazareth have heard of the fame of the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew him. They watched him grow up. The carpenter's son. And I have no doubt that they were uh, excited when he comes back home. And they want to hear what he has to say. So we read, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And he quotes a passage from Isaiah chapter, what we know is chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. Now when the Lord opened the scroll, there were not chapters and verses at that time, but he knew, he knew exactly where to go because he wrote it. He was completely familiar with the gospel of Isaiah. And he opened up to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And when the people had heard him read, they knew exactly what he meant the way he read it. Oh, wouldn't you have loved to hear heard the Lord read the scriptures? Well, they heard. And the Scripture goes on to say, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. You could have heard a pin drop at this time. And he began to say unto them, this day, right now, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? I am the fulfillment of what has just been read. And it's fulfilled this day in me reading it. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Now he knew what they were thinking. 
they were thinking, if you are who you say you are, if you have the ability to do what you say you can do, do it in front of us. Show us your miracles. You did them in Capernaum. You did it in, Can- in Canaan. Show us. Give us some proof that you are who you say you are. And then he says in verse 24, he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And that's exactly what he said in John chapter 4. That's why he bypassed Nazareth. We're going to get into a minute more of what happened. But he bypassed Nazareth because of their response to um, what he had to say. Now, in these two verses of Scripture that he read, that they were so incredulous about, who is this? This is the carpenter. What's he doing reading a passage of Scripture like this and saying, I am the fulfillment of this? They did not like this. The wonder spoken of when they wondered at his gracious words wasn't the wonder of admiration. It was the wonder of being incredulous. We don't believe you. We know who you are. We saw you grow up. We know your mom and dad. You know, the Lord never sinned. 30 years in Nazareth, never sinned. And nobody understood. They didn't get it. They couldn't believe he was making these claims concerning himself. When they heard his gracious words, that's not talking about the gracious way in which he spoke. It's not an adjective. It's a noun. Grace words. When they heard the grace words. If you want to know what the grace of God is, listen to these words which he spoke. Now in verses 18 and 19, where he begins with the spear of the Lord is upon me, and he ends with to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, we're given a six-fold description of who Jesus Christ came to save. Now let me tell you what comes into my mind when I think about that. Do I fit this description? Am I somebody that Jesus Christ came to save? Now, somebody may be thinking, are you implying that he didn't come to save everybody when you say, who did Jesus Christ come to save? No, I'm not implying it. I'm stating it uh, a matter of factly. I, I don't mean harshly. But he said, I pray not for the world, but for them which you've given me. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. He said, I've not come, but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He never intended to save everybody. Now understand that. If he intended to save everybody, everybody would be saved. You see, he's incapable of failure. He can't pay for somebody's sins and they wind up in hell anyway. He's incapable of failure. He's the son of God. You see, the issue is who died. If you can know and understand who died, you'll understand that whatever he does must be successful. It's impossible for him to intend for something to take place and it not take place. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in earth and sea and all deep places. It's impossible for his will to be thwarted. Whatever he intended to do, that is what he did. When he said, it is finished, It was finished. All of his intentions were realized. His people were saved from their sins. Now, am I one of the people he came to save? 
Well, do I fit the description of who he describes of the people that he came to save? Now, listen to these verses very carefully. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. To who? To the poor. Now the Lord was a preacher. He preached the gospel. And there was one audience that viewed what he was saying as good news indeed. The poor. Now he's not talking about poor in purse. When he said blessed are the poor in spirit. Who is this poor person? This poor person is someone who has nothing to recommend themselves to God. They are destitute of personal righteousness. And if there's anything they must first do before they can be saved that would enable God to do something for them, they will not be saved because they don't have it. They're poor. They're destitute of merit. They're bankrupt sinners. Poor. Now this is the person who will hear the gospel as the gospel. Now in the declaration that God makes sinners righteous, and that's what he does in the gospel, Who is happy to hear about that? Sinners. If you have any personal righteousness, you can't hear of the righteousness that Christ worked out and being the only righteousness of God. But if you're poor, it comes as good news to you. To be poor is to be without, without anything to recommend me to God. That's who he preaches the gospel to. Now the next description he gives is the brokenhearted. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, I dare say that everybody listening has had their heart broken at some time. Maybe through a severe breakup with a a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a divorce. What a terrible thing to go through. What a difficult thing. What a heart gut-wrenching thing to go through is a divorce. I've heard it's one of the worst things anybody goes through. Um, A wayward child can break your heart. The direction they go and your heart's broken over the way they're conducting themselves. Well, I want to be very sympathetic toward those kinds of broken hearts. But that's not what the Lord is talking about. He's talking about a broken heart in the sense of a heart that doesn't work. It's broken. It's broken. It can't do what it's supposed to do. It's broken. It's no good. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. The heart. The heart. This is a description of my heart and your heart. That's the understanding. That's the will. That's the affections. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can't even know. I can't even know the depths of the wickedness of my own heart. I've heard people say, trust your heart, follow your heart. You better not. He that trusts his heart is a fool, the wise man said. Now, this thing of 
being desperately wicked, that word is generally translated incurable. The heart is deceitful above all things, incurable. It can't be made better. And then the third description is he came to preach deliverance to the captives. Now what does that mean, a captive? Now if you have a free will, you're not a captive. You can will to do whatever you want to do. Problem is, there's no such thing as free will. People talk, preachers talk about free will. There's no such thing. Your will's controlled by your nature. And if you have a sinful nature, you're held captive to that sinful nature and you cannot set yourself free. You are in bondage to sin. The Lord said, whosoever committeth sin is the slave of sin. If you commit sin, you're a slave of sin. Somebody says, no, I'm not. Well, let's see you never sin again. (laughs) If you do, uh, that proves you're really the slave of sin. Every believer is a captive. Every man that God has taught the gospel to, they realize they're a captive to sin, a prisoner of sin. You're in sin and you can't get out. You can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Now, here's the fourth Uh, description, you're blind. He came to give recovering of sight to the blind. He healed physically blind men, but this is a special reference to those who cannot see why God would ever save them. They cannot see why God would ever look in favor toward them. They're blind, like blind Bartimaeus. They're blind, plumb blind, They can't find one reason in themselves why God would ever look in favor on them. They don't charge God with injustice. They can't see why he would save them. They're like Peter when he saw who the Lord was. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You don't want to have anything to do with me. And then it says he came to set at liberty them that are bruised. And the word bruised is generally Uh, translated oppressed, oppressed by sin, oppressed by Satan. He came to set at liberty them that are bruised, and he came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that's talking about the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years in the land of Israel, a silver trumpet would announce the year of Jubilee. Now in the year of Jubilee, if you had through inability to, be pay, to pay off your debts, you lost your goods, and you were made a slave. In the year of Jubilee, your debts were canceled. If you were a slave, you were set free. Everything you lost was restored, and you were given a year's vacation. The land was given a year's rest. The year of Jubilee. Now, does that speak of you? Poor? Brokenhearted? Captive? Blind? Oppressed? A slave who cannot pay his debts? Somebody says, no, that's not me. I'm not talking to you then. Somebody says, yes, that's me. This message is for you. He came to save you. 
Now, think about what the Lord says. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Here's a message to the poor. God's made you rich through what his son did. You now have a righteousness that he can accept because he gave it to every poor sinner who has none of their own. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, those who are incurably bad. He does this by giving them a new heart. The same heart David cried for when he said, create in me a clean heart. I don't need my heart healed. It's no good. I need a heart transplant. And he gives a new heart. He sent me to declare deliverance to the captives. (laughs) What I thought of was Barabbas. He's laying in the prison cell, scared to death, knowing that day he's going to be crucified. He hears the prison guards come in and open the door. I'm sure he's filled with a sense of dread. And he hears these words. You've been set free. A man named Jesus of Nazareth took your place. Substitution. And Barabbas walked out of that cell a free man. He couldn't get the door open. But when the Lord took his place, he was freed. There might be somebody who says, I can't see why God could save me. Or how he could save me or why he would save me. Well, listen to this. He does it for Christ's sake. He doesn't need another reason. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He was delivered for our offenses, raised again for our justification. He saves for Christ's sake. He doesn't need to find a reason in you. He does it for Christ's sake. He came to set at liberty. Them that are bruised, them that are oppressed, they're oppressed by sin. And this word set at liberty is the word generally translated forgiven. Now listen to this. Salvation begins with forgiveness. It doesn't end with forgiveness. If you fill in the blank, if you do this, you do that, quit doing this and start doing that and avoid that, then God will forgive you. That's salvation by works. That's all that is. Salvation begins with the full, complete forgiveness of sins. And he is the fulfillment of the year of Jubilee. When he said, it is finished, my debts were canceled. I was no longer a slave. I was given that which I've lost. I'm unable to rest. He is the fulfillment of Jubilee. Now, I think it's interesting. You don't find one record of Jubilee ever being observed in the Old Testament. And I understand why. If I was a landowner and people owed me money, I wouldn't want the year of Jubilee to take place because I'd feel like I'd lose out of it. But I know who would rejoice in the year of Jubilee, the ones who were set free from it. Now, the Lord closed the book. Gave it to the minister, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? We know his mom, we know his dad, we know his brothers and sisters. This is Joseph, this is the carpenter. Where does he think he can get off speaking like this, like he's the Messiah? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. 
Whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Give us some proof. And that's when he said what John quoted in John chapter 4. He said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Now let's go on reading the rest of this passage of Scripture. He didn't stop there. He said, But I tell you the truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. You think of these suffering widows in Israel. But unto none of them was Elijah sent save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon. This was a Gentile woman, not a Jewish woman, unto a woman that was a widow. You had all these widows in Israel, and God passed them by and saved a Gentile widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. God passed them by. Now here's what the Lord is saying. You don't believe me? God has passed you by. Now the issue here is divine election. God saves whom he will. It's in the Bible. The children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it's written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That's God speaking. Now what were the people's response to hearing of divine election? You see, they were hoping that they would be saved because they were Jews. And they find out that what they were hoping in isn't any good. That God saves whom he will. What was their response? And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They were angry. They said, this is not fair. We won't have this. And they rose up. And they thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. They were going to murder the Son of God. These temple goers turned into a lynch mob when they heard this preaching. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Now, I don't know how that happened. I don't know whether all of a sudden he just uh, caused them to be blinded and walked away from them. But he, passing through their midst, went his way because his time had not yet come. His time to die had not yet come. This is actually early in his ministry. But remember this. These same people that wanted to kill him, that rejected his claims of being the Messiah, when he came back through Galilee, he bypassed Nazareth. Here's my response if I'm in Nazareth. Lord, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. I hope that is your prayer. Don't pass me by.
To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.